We excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the last chapter of Joshua. Today we are finishing up our series as we head into the Thanksgiving season and then head into Advent. But before I dive into the the scripture, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about history. Now, I need a show of hands. Raise your hand. Think about not now. I don't want you to think about right now. I want you to think about when you were in high school or elementary or junior high. Who in here's favorite subject was social studies and history? Raise your hand. Hold on. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. Like I thought. Not many. All right. Because when I was in school, social studies, history was not the favorite subject. Um, We... We didn't appreciate it. Um, we, we read our assignments, right? We, we read what the teacher gave us to read. We, we did what we were supposed to do. We took the test begrudgingly. But to us, it wasn't the most exciting subject, right? Who in here, besides the five that raised their hands, would agree with me that history back then just wasn't that exciting to us? Anybody? Yeah, a few more, a few more hands that said that wasn't the most exciting. Now, when I had the opportunity, I, I worked at a Christian school. I had an opportunity to actually teach middle school uh, for a little while, and I taught history and science. And I and I did it in that order. I did history and science because to them, history, it was boring. And I and I know that because they looked at me and they said, Pastor Andrew, history is really boring. And I said, uh, No, no, it's not. <laughs> and they said, no, it really is. And they wanted to do science. And so they were always super eager to get to the science because I did earth science. So we did like the volcanoes. We did different uh, experiments. And it, it was a blast. We had a great time in science class. But I tried to make it exciting for history as well. But to them, it just never caught on. They, they just did not appreciate history the way that they should have. To them, it was just a bunch of boring facts and stories. But that's back then. Now that we're older, I think we can appreciate history a little bit more, right? I think so. Because history, or the study of history, whether we like it or not, is actually very crucial. We need to know history. Um, One uh, historian, uh, he's a history professor, he said, history is more than just the living record of nations, leaders, and wars. I love what he said here. He says, it is the story of us. It's our story, guys. History is your and I's story. It's a story of where we came from. It's a story of where we're going. It's a story of our ancestors. And I continued reading that professor, and he says, history is important to study for a number of reasons. History helps us develop a better understanding of the world. History helps us understand ourselves. History helps us to learn and understand other people. History teaches us a working understanding of change. History gives us the tools that we need to be decent citizens. And then the last two I really like is this. History makes us better decision makers so that we don't repeat the pains of the past. We've all heard it, right? Those who don't study history are deemed to repeat it or doomed to repeat it, right? Especially the negative things. We see that time and time again, especially with outfits and fashion styles. Those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. But the same with wars and other bad decisions. Those who don't know it are doomed to repeat it. And then lastly, he says, history helps us develop a new level of appreciation for just about everything. And then another university professor said, 
History is important to study because it is essential for all of us in understanding ourselves and the world around us. He says there is a history of every field, of every topic, from medicine to music to art, even to religion. To know and understand history is absolutely necessary. And if you have your Bibles, go with me to Joshua chapter 24. And interestingly, Joshua understood the importance of history. He understood it, and actually Joshua taught it. He understood the significance of the recognition of where people came from, where they are, and where they're going. And so as Joshua here in, in chapter 24, he's, he's nearing the end of his life. He's getting ready to take his last breaths, and he's at the assembly of Israel. He calls them all together, and he gives them a brief history of their nation. And some commentators which I found very interesting. Some commentators actually believe that this chapter, chapter 24 of Joshua, is one of, if not the most important chapter in the entire Old Testament. They said this chapter is significant for us to know. And so in the presence of the assembled Israelites, Joshua related outstanding events in their history. He began with the patriarchal period, then he moved into the events of the Exodus, then the conquest, and then lastly, he ends by calling Israel to a decision. And so if you have your notes, which are found in the bulletin, right now is going to be the time where we're going to start filling that out. Here's what it is. You ready, church? He calls them to remember what God did. He says, you need to remember what God has done for you. And he lists it. I mean, he goes on. He says, he says, you need to remember the promise that he made to Abraham, which is to give him descendants and then to give him this promised land. And then he brought, we have to remember that he brought Moses and the entire nation out of Israel or out of, out of Egypt, and he brought Israel out of slavery. He says that he brought you out of, out of, out of years of slavery. And then he took care of them while they were wandering in the desert. He split the sea for them. And he not only split the sea for them, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that you can walk across dry ground. And then when, you know, they, they, they backslid a little bit. They kept saying, well, I wish we were back in Egypt. And God said, well, I'm going to make you wander in the desert a little bit. But how about this? Don't worry about that. Because while you're in the desert, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure you have the manna. I'm going to make sure you are fed. And Joshua says, remember that that he took care of our ancestors while they, were, while they were in the desert, while they took care of us while they were in the desert. And then he says, remember the countless nations and the cities that God conquered for you. He says, God has fought those battles. God has conquered these cities and these nations. And then we remember, and he calls them to remember, that God guided them across the river where they conquered Jericho and countless others. Scripture says that he sent hornets into the land to drive out their enemies. He gave them cities that they did not build. He gave them vineyards and uh, olive orchards that they did not plant. In the list, it goes on and on and on of the things that God did for them. And he says, I need you to remember. But church, how easy is it for us to forget? Joshua says, look, look, at what, look at what God has done for you. Don't forget it, yet how often do you and I forget, church? We, we all, you, you guys can testify this with me. We know that God is good, amen? Right? 
We know that God is merciful. We know that God is love. God is the essence of goodness, mercy, and love. But sometimes it's easy to forget what he's done. And when we all go through things, right, Israel, Israel has gone through some things, right? They, 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 well, they, they wandered through the desert, and then they had to fight and fight and fight, and they lost countless people, and, and they, they've gone through some things. And we think about our lives, we, we go through some things. Maybe we, maybe we really want something, and we just haven't been able to get it yet. Maybe we're going through some challenges, some adversity, some tough times. Maybe, maybe you're feeling overwhelmed, right? I mean, the holiday season's coming up, and, and I'm not sure about you guys, but how many of us sit down and look at the calendar and think, oh boy, this is going to be fun. And, and, and we get overwhelmed, and we think about the gifts we have to buy, and the dinners that we have to buy, and then we go to the store, and there's nothing on the shelves, and we think, what am I going to do? And the overwhelming feeling just overtakes us, right? And then we sit, and we look at our bills, and we think, man, how am I going to do all of this and then pay my bills? And then we just become so anxious, and, and, and we begin to worry and we become overwhelmed, and then we start feeling disappointed or discouraged about things. Whatever we may be going through, listen to me, church. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves quickly forgetting what God has done for us. You see, we get so caught up in looking at all the, the negative things. We get so tempted to focus on the negative, And because of that, we actually forget all of the blessings that we have because of God. We totally forget it. And so, so here's Joshua in, in, this, in, this, in this assembly reminding Israel of what God has done for them and all that they have, have because of him. And Joshua, he's preparing for his last breath, and he wants them to remember. He says, remember all of the things your heavenly Father has done. And so this morning, let me, let me ask you this question. What has God done for you? Now, this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it out loud, but, but I encourage you, go home and, and make a list. Right, we're, we're getting into the, in, in just, what is it, a week and a half, a little over, two, a, little over a week, we're going to be entering the Thanksgiving season, a time where we actually give thanks. Church, let me encourage you, don't, don't just think about it. Write it down. Tell someone about it. I'm certain that God has done amazing things in our life, hasn't he, church? Now, and I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor, I'm in a hard time right now where things haven't always been bright and cheery. And I, I understand, I respect that things haven't been perfect for me either. But even in the dark times, we can reflect on what God has done for us. Because even in the dark times, we can see how he's working. The truth is, listen to me, we have to be very intentional about remembering what God has done for us, church. We have to be intentional about it. David actually talks about this in Psalm 103, verse 2. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Listen to what he says. May I never forget the good things God does for me. May I never forget the good things that God has done. I might be going through a tough time. I might be in a valley. It might be dark. It might be painful. The finances may not be there. The healing may not be there, but I can still sit back and think, you know what? Here on earth, it might hurt, but I have an eternity ahead because he came and gave me freedom for my sins. So even if it hurts now, we have an eternity ahead. Or we might look back and think, man, it hurts now, but I remember the good times. Or you know what? Things are going really well, and I can give thanks because God brought me out of this. Joshua is saying you have to remember what God has done 
It is my prayer, church, genuinely, it is my prayer that we will never take for granted God's goodness, his unfailing love, his faithfulness, and his mercy. That's my prayer. That was Joshua's prayer, is do not forget. Joshua said, I might be leaving here shortly. I'm about to take my last breath, but don't you ever forget what God has done for us. He is so merciful. God, Scripture says that God is love. And don't you forget it. And so church, Joshua spent time remembering. And so I want to, if it's okay with you, I want to pray. And I want to challenge you that you will do the same. That you will take time this Thanksgiving season to remember what God has done for you. Even in the hard times, reflect, God did this for me. And in the good times, say, look where God brought me out of. Remember what God has done. But Joshua, he doesn't stop there. We know that history is important, yes? And those of you who, who raised your hands and said that was your favorite subject, I'm not, I wasn't trying to call you out. You are right. It should be, okay? Those of you who raised your hand that that is my favorite subject, you are the right ones, okay? Those of us who had our hands down, we need to learn from you, all right? History is important, and we know that, and Joshua knew it as well. But he continues because he wants them to not only remember what God has done, but he also wants them to continue to walk with God. He says, I need you to remember, but you also got to do some things, all right? You see, Joshua is at the end of his life, and he's, he's preparing them for the future. And, and, and interesting, when, when a person is dying, I, I was reading about the, the, the death of people, and they said when a person is near the end of their lives, they said the last words mean a lot. Their last statements usually have complete truth and honesty because at this point, there's nothing to lose. And so when a person is nearing the end of their life, they just speak absolute truth. They have the freedom to say what is really on their, really and truly on their hearts. And interestingly, in fact, a, a person who is on their deathbed, their words, I don't know if you guys know this or not, can be deemed to be so honest that they can actually be used in court. Did you guys know that? That when a person's on their deathbed and they say something, then they pass away, that can actually be used in court because it's deemed to be so honest. It's called a dying declaration. And so this could actually be considered Joshua's dying declaration. Here is Joshua's final words. He's, he's dying and he's giving us his dying declaration and he calls them to remember. But then church, listen to me. He calls them to action. He says, I, I not only want you to remember, but you got to work too. I need you to remember what God's done for you, but I never want you to walk away from God. So go with me to verses 14 and 15. Listen to what he says here. All these, these, these are powerful words, church. You can highlight it like I did. Verse 14. So here he is. He's dying. He says, look, I need you to remember. I'm on my last breath, and this is what I need you to do. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the God your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt. And he says it again. Serve the Lord. But, you know what? If serving the Lord seems, well, undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers that they serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, But Joshua says, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. You see, within verse 15, 
Joshua, he's making his dying declaration. He's telling the people what matters most to him and to his household. He is declaring to the people that God is the most important thing in his life and his family's life. He says there's, there's nothing else more important than this. He's stating clearly without any doubt who he and his household will serve. He says, we're going to serve the Lord. No matter what the Israelites decided to do, he was establishing what was right for his house. And so Joshua reminds them of everything God has done to have gotten them to this point. But then he says, I need you to make a commitment. He says, remember what God's done for you. Now you got to make a choice. Remember, God, God has saved you. God has redeemed you. God has, God has done everything he can for you. Now it's up to you. He calls them to action and to choose who they will serve and what they will do. And when Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a, a total commitment to follow after God no matter what. And that's good for Joshua, right? Good for you, Joshua. You're serving the Lord. But the question then is, what about you and I? It's right for Joshua. Well, what about you and I? And here's what it is. You ready, church? Everyone has to make their own decision. Everyone has to make their own decision. We can say, amen, pastor, we're going to remember. Amen, pastor, we have to take action. Great, now you have to take action. You see, we can't just come here and sit on Sunday mornings and listen to me preach time and time again. We can't just listen to our mom say, I'm going to pray for you. No, you have to take action. You have to make that choice. You can't just, I remember, great, what are you going to do about it? Well, that, that's a good point, Pastor. Great. What are you going to do about it? It's student-led it, student worship today. And so I'm going to talk to the students for just a minute, and, but I want the church to hear me, okay? It can't be your mom and dad's decision. It can't be your grandparents' decision. Church, it can't be your pastor's decision. It can't be your Sunday school teacher's decision. You cannot rely on everyone else to make this decision for you. I did for years. Well, my dad was a pastor. Isn't that cool? Yeah, great. What about you? I used to say it all the time. Well, I come from a long line of preachers. Awesome. It is. I love it. But eventually I had to make that choice. Because guess what, church? Your family's, your family's faith ain't going to get you to heaven. Your parents' faith, it's not going to get you to heaven. Me standing up here preaching ain't going to get you to heaven. It's not. I, I wish I could stand here and say, all of you are saved, go, amen. I can't. All I can do, my job is not, I'm not, I've not been called to save. All I've been called is to preach the truth. It's got to be your choice. And that's what Joshua's doing here. He says, you have to act and you have to choose for yourselves. He look, I mean, look at it, literally, he says it. Go back to verse 15, right in the smack dab middle of it. He says, choose for yourselves. You've got to make that choice. You see, all of Israel experienced the things that God did. They experienced it. You see, we're reading about it, but, but they experienced all of these amazing things. And even if the younger ones weren't alive when they happened, the Israelites, they were very faithful at keeping the history told. They did an amazing job at it. They, they told their stories. But telling the story was not enough to protect them. It wasn't enough. 
And Joshua knew that. He knew, I can tell you these stories, and these are amazing stories, but it's not going to protect you. You have to choose to follow and serve the Lord. That's what protects you, is God himself. You see, it doesn't matter if your parents were believers or you came from a whole line of believers. You still have to make that choice. You have to decide who you will follow and who you will serve. You cannot rely on your family and church's faith, guys. You can't. Well, I go to church every Sunday. Great, but have you made the choice? Do you wake up daily and say, I'm going to serve you, Lord? You see, the beauty of salvation is that you and I are not bound by other people's choices. In the Wesleyan Church, we believe in a thing called free will. God has, has, has given us free will to choose. And the thing is, even if your parents don't believe, you can say, well, I come from a long line of sinners. I'm sorry about that. But guess what? That doesn't mean that that's the path you have to take. You get to choose whether to break that, that, that family history, the family history of addiction, the family history of bad choices. You get to make that choice. How amazing is it? We should all be saying amen to that. Joshua presented this choice to the nation. And just like the Israelites, we have to choose for ourselves who it is we'll serve. But let me give you a warning, church. Let me give you a warning really quick. We have to be careful not to become callous. We have to be careful. If you don't want to put callous there, you can put hard-hearted. We have to be careful not to become callous and develop hard hearts. One of the things that I find incredible about this verse, right, is I'm going to read it to you again. Verse 15. I find it incredible. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves. He says, if it seems undesirable to you, then, well, then do what you want. You see, it's incredible to me that that these people, after seeing and experiencing all that God has done for them, there are still those who refuse to serve and follow God. He, he, says, he, he says, look at the miracle at the Red Sea. I mean, God split the sea for you, and we got out of slavery after hundreds of years of being in slavery. And if that wasn't enough, what about, what about the manna? For decades, God provided us with food. Okay, that's not good enough for you. What about Jericho? I mean, we walked around and we saw the walls collapse. Oh, okay, that wasn't good enough for you. What about, what, about, what about all the enemies and all the nations that God drove out for you? What? I mean, Israel saw miracle after miracle, and still there were some that said, no. No. I'm not, I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to accept it. You see, what we learn from this is that there are some who become very callous and hard-hearted to the miracles of God. In other words, it's quite possible that some of the Israelites took the miraculous leading of God for granted and it just wasn't enough for them. They took it for granted and they said, nope, the miracles didn't move them to a closer relationship with God. And this even, this even carried over to the New Testament. If you read through the Gospels, the miracles of Jesus, time and time again, Jesus healed people, he taught them, he, he performed miraculous miracles. And still people said, Nope, not good enough for me. Nope, you died and saved, you, you died and, and have given me the option to be cleansed and have an eternity with you. Nope. And the sad thing is, still today, God is doing amazing things, but there are those who remain callous and hard-hearted. Even in our churches, mm, 
I'm preaching this morning, aren't I, guys? I'm calling out the church. Even the churches, we become very hard-hearted to God's little miracles that we see every day. Our lights are on. We have pews to sit in. We get to meet with freedom. We have no fear that when we leave here, people are going to be persecuting us out in the parking lot. You guys get to leave here, get your cars, and go home. And yet, there are some of us who are church-going people, and we become very hard-hearted, very callous to God. And then we wonder, well, why don't people want to come? Ouch, right? Church, listen, we have to be careful not to become hard-hearted and callous to God. We have to be the ones to testify. We have to be the ones to point out what God is doing. We are the ones who have to stand in awe and wonder of God. We're the ones that have to brag about God because the world's not going to do it. We can stand in condemnation of the world. We can condemn the world every day. I can't believe the world's doing this. The world's going to do what the world does. It's our job to be the ones to testify. You see, Joshua was doing that very thing. He said, look at what God has done. That's our job now, church. Did you know that? We have to take action. We're the ones that cannot become callous to it. We're the ones that have to say, look, God met this little need. God did this. Look at this amazing thing. It's our turn to do that. It's our turn to say, look at what my God is doing. You see, Joshua has helped the Israelites, and he has called us to remember who God is and what he's done for us. And then he calls us not only to remember, but to not become callous to what God has done, but instead to choose for ourselves the right decision, which is to fear the Lord with all faithfulness. You see, the the bottom line is this. As Christians, we need to know that serving the Lord is not for glorification from man for all our good deeds. It is serving in thankfulness for all the Lord has done and is doing and will do. And then it is also for the pleasure of serving him and following his will. In that, we can help others draw closer to God and make a choice to allow him into their lives and to the acceptance of Jesus Christ. It's our choice, guys. As we come to a close, I want to read you a story about this very thing. A young student in China, he decided to play a very mean and aggressive trick on his elderly teacher one day. And he caught a small bird and he cupped it in his hands and he put it behind his back. And then he approached the sage with his plan in mind. And this was the plan. He would ask the old man what was in his hands. And if the man answered correctly, he would then ask the teacher if the bird was alive or dead. And he said, if the old man would have said alive, I would have crushed the bird just to prove him wrong. But if he said the bird was dead, I would have released the bird to prove him wrong. And so approaching the teacher, the young student said, hey, old man, what do I have in my hand? And the man responded, a bird, my son. And with a very mean grin on his face, the little boy said, all right, old man, is it alive or is it dead? And the old sage thought for a moment. And then he replied, well, the answer to that question, my son, is in your hands. It's in your hands, whether that bird is alive or dead. You see, church, that's what Joshua is telling us. He says, you have a decision to make about Jesus. He says, you got a choice. And you have to choose for yourselves how you're going to be, who you're going to serve. Your friends and family, they, 
They can't make that decision for you. It's in your hands. And if you look back over Joshua and really the entire book, everything that we have learned has come down to this very thing. Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. And the choice, well, church, it's in your hands. You've got to make that choice, what you're going to do. But as Joshua said, for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. But it's in your hands. How are you going to choose? Stand to your feet with us again as the students come back to lead us again in worship. God loves you a whole lot, a lot of bit. God bless you guys. Thank you guys for coming and hope you have a blessed week.